Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Tish. As a reminder, we release these deep dives in short two-week bursts. And today, we'll start with a Dega Machane Ephraim. Welcome to Tashma, the podcast where you get to listen in on Hadar's Beit Midrash. I'm Rabbi Avi Killa. Today, we're sitting back down for The Tish with Dina Weiss, A Taste of Chassidut. In this mini-series, Dina introduces us to five Hasidic masters. Today, I'm in the studio with Dina to talk about the Degel Machane Ephraim. So Dina, let's set the table. Who wrote the Degel Machane Ephraim? The Degel Machane Ephraim was written by Rav Moshe Chaim Ephraim of Sudokov. He is the grandson of the Baal Shem Tov and in fact lived with him for a number of years. You didn't ask for this little biographical detail, but I'm volunteering it to you for free. There's a little machloka, there's a dispute about when the Degel Machana Ephraim was born. Generally, that's not a consequential question when you're trying to figure out, you know, what does a thinker think or how do they contribute? But because so much of what the Degel Machana Ephraim is trying to do is teach his grandfather's Torah, if he lived with his grandfather until the age of 12, there's some level of reliability in that testimony. But if he lived with his grandfather to the age of 18, right, the level of reliability really goes way up. And so I think it's interesting to see the way that question, which seems irrelevant, six years here or there, actually really transforms our understanding of, well, how reliable is this person? You know, are they sort of vaguely remembering something they heard when they were nine? Or were they 15, right? And really able to be in a learning relationship with their grandfather. Great. And for listeners who are teenagers, I I would think this is actually really affirming also to say, these texts are for you. You can actually learn a tremendous amount as a child by the age of 18, maybe even by the age of 12. Um, And let's take that, that learning seriously. So you mentioned that the Degel Machana Ephraim is is transmitting to us his grandfather's teaching. How does he do that? And what's his contribution maybe in addition to or on top of that? Great. So I actually think that this goes back to the question of the age of the Degel Machana Ephraim when he was living with his grandfather. There is a lot of testimony about how the Degel Machana Ephraim was considered to be an Eloi, was considered to be a Talmudic prodigy. And I think one of the reasons why we care that he's a Talmudic prodigy, particularly someone with a great memory, that makes him a good transmitter of his grandfather's Torah. We can rely on him because he has a phenomenal memory. But what's very interesting about the Degel Machana Ephraim himself is that he does not value uh, Talmud learning really at all. Hmm. And he's often trying to undermine that prioritization of Talmud learning in his teaching. And I think the most interesting way in which he does this is in his transmuting of the idea of a chidush. Chidush comes from the word chadash, which means new. And a chidush is a term that we use for an innovative interpretation of a Jewish text. And when you are a serious Talmud scholar, you want to have chidushim. And what the Degamachan Ephraim says is no, right? Chidush is something that often feeds your ego. I came up with something that nobody else thought of before. And instead, the core kind of chidush that we should be going for is renewed perception. 
Instead of looking at the world as fixed and reality being exactly as we know it, we can use our imagination, we can use our capacity of chidush to see the world through a different spiritual valence. Um, and I really appreciate that cute twist that he does um, in his understanding of the importance of chidush. Yeah, it's such a great example of a way in which Hasidic thought can actually provide us with a whole new way to see the world. And that what seems like one small idea actually can pan out to really impact our whole worldview. I'm looking forward to listening and, and perhaps we'll hear some new ideas. As our first step into learning with the Degel Machana Ephraim, I want to bring you a teaching of his about Avraham. The Midrash imagines that Avraham Avinu sits at the opening of his tent, and he's actively searching for potential visitors and potential guests. He is the character in the Torah that we think about when we think about someone who is a paradigm of kindness, of welcoming. He is our paradigm for someone who loves to do the mitzvah of hachnasat orchim. And we see Avraham putting himself out there, literally trying to see where are there people that are thirsty, hungry, or tired, and how can he get them into his house? And one way of thinking about Avraham's intentions here is that he is perfectly selfless. He just wants to serve and he's looking for opportunities to serve. And I don't think that we are going to learn that Avraham is not being selfless here, but the Degel Machana Ephraim is going to teach us a little bit about what Avraham himself is going to be getting out of this mitzvah hachnasat orchim, of welcoming in guests. What's in it for Avraham? And he is attuned to the possibility that there's something here for Avraham. And when he looks at the verse where Avraham narrates for his guests, the upcoming hospitable activities. Avraham says, Water will be taken, right? Brought in for you so that you can wash your feet. And you will just relax, right? You will rest under this tree. And I will take a loaf of bread. And I will satisfy your hearts, I will feed you. And then, then you're going to go, because that is why you came. That is why you passed by my tent. Right, so there's two things here that the Degelmach and Ephraim really raises that are easily ignored. The first is this sense of this is why you came. Avraham is intimating a sense of destiny or fatedness. It's not an accident that these people are crossing his path. And the other element is that he notices at first there's a passiveness. Some water is going to be brought. But then it says, I am going to take a loaf of bread. And the Dagomachin Ephraim, channeling his grandfather, the Baal Shem Tov, says the person, the I here of I am going to get some bread is not Avraham getting bread for his guests, but Avraham getting bread from his guests. That there's an exchange here of Avraham doing some hachnasat orchim, Avraham bringing these people into his house, and Avraham is going to get some sort of benefit. He's going to literally 
take a taking. I'm going to get some bread from you. And unsurprisingly, right, especially if you're attuned to generally, you know, different metaphors for the Torah, you can hear there's water, there's a tree, there's bread, right, which is often associated with both spiritual sustenance and physical sustenance. So what the Degamachan Ephraim says is that when Avraham engages in this exchange of, I'm going to provide for your physical needs, there's also a spiritual need that Avraham himself is satisfying through having these guests. And the Baal Shem Tov, again, Thinking about this language of the tree and, you know, generally sort of assuming that um, spiritual benefit comes in the form of Torah, says that actually what Avraham gets out of this is the conversation that he has with his guests. That every time you have a guest in your home, that's an opportunity for them to teach you something. That's an opportunity for them to bring you some piece of Torah that you would not have otherwise. And he imagines, right, again, through the thinking of his grandfather, the Baal Shem Tov, that there's some alchemy that happens between the guests and the hosts, right? There's some new Torah that's generated by this interaction that wouldn't be generated otherwise. And that actually what Avraham is so excited about is that he's going to get some insight from these guests through the conversation that he has with them. He himself is going to emerge satisfied and he himself is going to emerge enlightened. I really want to emphasize that the Degelmachan Ephraim thinks that it's okay and actually thinks that it's important that Avraham himself is getting something out of this, that it is, in fact, an exchange. Yukachna, something is being brought to the guests, ve'ekcha, and I as the host am also taking something from them. And I appreciate this both for what it says about, you know, the uniqueness of every person and we have something to learn from them. But it also really helps me in my thinking about how I do Hachnasat Orchim myself. You know, I'm not Avraham. I'm not sitting out in front of my apartment building looking for guests, but I do try to have people over and I do try to make them feel welcome. And usually the way that that manifests itself is I ask, do you have any allergies? What do your kids eat? You know, when is a convenient time for you to come? Or if it's an overnight guest, you know, I make sure that I have an extra toothbrush, you know, just to make sure that they have everything they need physically. And even though I know that this is a mitzvah that I'm doing, I think of it in terms of what I'm providing physically. And the Degelmachan Ephraim's approach, the way that he thinks about what Avraham is prioritizing in his imagining of what's going to happen in this visit, teaches me that I need to think more about the conversation. I need to think about more, what do I want to ask my guests about themselves? What do I want to learn from my guests? What do I want to teach my guests? And so much of having a guest actually is the conversation that you have over a meal or even just the quick check-in for an overnight guest. How are you doing? How did you sleep? Right? And the Degelmachan Ephraim is saying, you could actually make that meaningful. You could choose to understand that this is an interaction that wouldn't happen otherwise. And you should invest when you're preparing to have guests, you should invest in preparing that way, right? What am I going to ask them? What are they going to teach me? How are we going to make something out of a chance interaction 
so that it's no longer chance, right? So that it feels fateful and I feel like, oh, I really have accomplished something spiritual here in providing for my guests' physical needs. I also think that the Degel Machat Nafraim's approach is really helpful in thinking about ourselves as guests. Often when we're guests, overnight guests, meal guests, we try to contribute in some way. And generally, we think that our role is to contribute something physical. I'm going to bring flowers. I'm going to bring a bottle of wine. And maybe, you know, in addition to those gifts, because I don't think we should stop bringing those, right, we should also prepare ourselves to be engaging guests. We should also think about what might I want to talk about with my host? In what ways might I want to be present in the conversation or maybe absent and give them their space, right? And to just think about the other dynamics of hosting and being hosted that are not about the physical, but are about the interaction between the guest and the host in a conversational space and also in a more spiritual space. And the last element here, you know, is just to go back to that language of I, that I, Avraham, am going to get something out of it. I think it's also nice to be confirmed in that it's okay to do a mitzvah and hope that you're going to get something out of it yourself. When you provide for a guest, it's okay to, you know, invite people over to your house because you don't want to eat alone. And it's okay to invite someone over to sleep because, you know, you think it would be nice to see them. All of these, you know, secondary ulterior motives don't actually sully the mitzvah of welcoming guests. They actually enrich it. Um, and we should lean into um, both what we give as uh, people who are hosts and also what we get from our guests when they cross our threshold. And I think it's fair, even though the Baal Shem Tov himself doesn't go in this direction, to say that the kind of you know conversation that would never happen in any other context doesn't necessarily have to be this person prepared a five-minute Tvar Torah and I got to hear that Tvar Torah. But there's a conversation that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Maybe you'll get some insight into your friend. Maybe you'll get some insight into yourself. Maybe you'll get some insight into the world. Maybe it'll be entertaining, right? But just to acknowledge right, that so much of what's happening is on this conversational or spiritual plane and not on purely what am I providing for this person's physical needs. This episode was produced by Sam Greenberg, Effie Unterman, and Jeremy Tabak. Thank you to David Chabinski for recording and editing this episode. Music for the Tish is from Hanna Raskin's debut album, Raza Capella, produced by Rising Song Records. Mm-hmm.